Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thank you for listening. We continue to hear stories of stalking of both the famous and the non-famous. There is an odd, maybe pathological quality to it, but we really need to look at it in greater detail. Phil Heller is a psychologist in Palm Beach County. He has worked with this topic for quite some time and actually sees patients who are involved in stalking. And he's kind enough to sit with us today to go over a little bit of what this is all about. Dr. Heller, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. You said at the beginning a very interesting thing. I did not know that stalking was not really recognized until relatively recently. Yes, it was not criminalized in California until 1990, and it was not criminalized around the country until 2000. So therefore, a lot of research has not been done on stalking, uh, per se. Is there a difference between stalking and bullying? Well, the major difference is stalking usually involves a mood disorder or a mental disorder. Bullying, you'll see maybe in a local school, just because of the imbalance of power. The bully has more power and will attack or manipulate another person. Stalking has a whole different flavor to it, and sometimes stalking incorporates bullying as well. But stalking has a mental disorder attached to it, and sometimes very often a sexual flavor. Stalking also seems to be more covert, if I understand it, more secretive, not as public, or am I wrong on that? Some of the stalking is very covert. Covert, especially cyber stalking. But there are very over, like stalking Princess Diana. The people were called not paparazzi, but stalkerazzi. They would follow her and they felt they had a right to stalk her for any kind of information and news that they could get to that ended in her being killed. What is the process, if you can summarize it, that leads to someone deciding to stalk? You, you said there is a mental disorder here. How would we begin to describe it? And ultimately, how do we prevent it? How do we stop it? When you think of stopping it, you think of the justice system. To this day, the justice system hasn't truly come up with a true definition and a true statute. The statute in California started in 1990, and it's still being revived because there has to be an intent of affecting someone's personal safety, and that has to be proven. I have done some stalking cases where the judge has denied that the stalker actually, in fact, stalked the individual. Can emotional damages be as legitimate as physical damages? Absolutely. There was one case I did in Miami last month where the woman was not only apprehensive about when would this stop, but how far would it go? They have a sense of humiliation, a sense of shame, a constant fear and a threat that their personal safety could be affected. You said that there can be a lot of emotional attachment between the stalker and the, the victim. Yeah. Sometimes the stalker is stalking people that he personally doesn't know, like you said, John Lennon, Madonna, you mentioned somebody else. That's a very different mindset towards stalking than stalking your girlfriend after she dumped you. Yes, it is. But what we were just talking about is the celebrity stalker. The celebrity stalker knows that person, like they know Madonna, or they know Jodie Foster, or John Lennon. In fact, the stalker for John Lennon attached his life to John Lennon. He had a problem with identity. He was more of a borderline personality. He learned to play the guitar. He married a Japanese woman, till eventually he felt John Lennon's fame should be his, and was angry at John Lennon for taking away the celebrity's status from him. It sounds psychotic. It's borderline. And he went and he took John Lennon's life away from him. Paparazzi feel that Lady Diana owed them something and they would follow her wherever they went. 
Hinckley felt that Jodie Foster should be his for the rest of his life. So he stalked her, and he said, I won't kill President Reagan if you will be mine forever. And he kept stalking her. But the interesting thing is, is that he got what he wanted. His name will be in Jodie Foster's mind for the rest of her life. He did form an attachment in his life with her. So he got what he wanted, although he's in prison and he's been considered mentally ill. Is there any sense of a statistic of how common stalking is? Yes, there are some. Depending on where you go, there are different types of statistics. There is something called the Stalking Resource Center. They put out various fact sheets about different statistics. 6.6 million people are stalked every year in the United States. One in six women and one in 19 men have experienced stalking and victimization. That, that's, um, that's a very large number, needless to say. Given the fact that it wasn't given, shall we say, an official diagnostic ranking up right. until relatively recently, we really don't know if it's going up or going down or if it's because of the media. Are there any sense of a trend? Is it becoming more common? Do we know? If we don't, we don't. Well, it is, it is becoming more common. The interesting thing about stalking is the longer it goes on between the stalker and the victim, the more dangerous it can become. Sometimes stalking may last two, four weeks, but sometimes it can last a year. There are different things that maintain it. One type of stalker would be called the recurrent stalker. That is done when there's a couple going through a divorce and they're constantly meeting each other to exchange the children or going to court to argue different problems. So one or the other may stalk that person to see what they are doing, how they're spending the money, how they're treating the children. And, and this is common in working with families who are going through divorce. One father would call his children several times a day, even though it was not his time with the children, just to invade the privacy of the mother's time with the children. And he would call her any time, creating a great deal of disturbance, but he had the control, and he threatened them. That's the recurrent stalker. Okay. Now, you also have the simple obsessional stalker. He's obsessed with the individual and will call them or write them periodically, sometimes just to get some connection. And what continues the stalking is the reinforcement that the, the victim contacts the stalker. So it only reinforces his, his or her behavior. Something gets done. And what about if the stalker is a narcissist? And, and just annoyed, is, is it doing for revenge? Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because you find the major issues of the stalker yes. would be personality disorder okay. or mood disorder. But the personality disorder seems to be around borderline personality, narcissistic, sometimes dependent personality. The borderline does not seem to have their own sense of identity, and they try to attach to somebody, and sometimes they become obsessed with this. So you have an individual that has a belief that this woman loves him, even though she won't show it. So he's going to pursue her. Initially, he gets a reaction. And very often, the woman doesn't take a strong reaction, but she may say, yes, I like you, but I'm not interested in you that way. But what happens? He gets a sense of rejection. The rejection leads in the narcissist to a feeling of humiliation. And then they react, they defend it by a sense of rage narcissistic rage. Then what happens is they go into a behavioral pursuit of the woman trying to control and get her back. But the rage is so strong that anything they do is okay with them, and they can be violent at that point. 
then the woman may give up and give in to him, and then he goes back on his narcissistic, she sees she loved me, therefore I was right, unless the woman does something to prevent this. It sounds so entrenched in psychopathology. Yes, it is. The question that jumps to my mind is how does someone prevent it from starting or can anybody prevent it from starting? There are ways. In the five cases that I have right now, yes, there are different levels of stalking. Okay. One woman who's a property manager is being stalked by one of the owners in the condominium and sent her in the last two months 240 emails telling her what's wrong in the building and would follow her and would stand outside her office. And this property manager is a cancer survivor and is seeing this woman blaming her for all the bad things going on. And eventually, what seems to have happened is the owner slashed the property manager tired because she wasn't listening to her. This woman wound up with a sense of humiliation, rage, anger, fear, and she could not deal with this constant pounding of being blamed for all the bad things that are going on in the building till the company sought help for her through the courts. Another man who thought he had a girlfriend who happened to leave her door open a lot would just come in to her house whenever he wanted to or send her numerous emails, I want to give presents to you and the children, and she couldn't avoid the constant barrage of emails and there was nothing she could do. So one day he came into her house with a gun, and he's telling me, as I interviewed him in the jail, because she let him down, he wanted to kill himself, kill himself in her house. So what he did is he laid down a white sheet on top of her bed when she was not home and put a gun to his head. But he said he fell asleep. What actually happened is he was charged with burglary with an armed weapon. He said, I was going to use the gun on myself, not on her. Well, you talk to the stalker and you talk to the, the victim, it's two different stories. My sense is that this woman could have been killed if she had been home all alone and he just walked in on her. But he was angry that she rejected him. Narcissistic. Another man sent 650 text messages in a matter of three months and was arrested for aggravated stalking because he felt his wife shouldn't divorce him. And ultimately, sometimes when it goes through the whole process, the victim may submit to the stalker and hope that they would leave them alone. In some cases, they marry them. That's amazing. That's amazing. Is is stalking a, is it a copied behavior or does it seem that it's an individualized choice? Because we often hear that when something bad happens that there's copycats. Is it more just individual? It's more individual. They do their own thing, but they are looking to satisfy their narcissistic or borderline need that this person really wants them. The borderline does not want to be abandoned. The narcissist needs to be loved all the time, but yet these are not intimate relationships. And these people have always had problems with attachment in dealing with their parents years before or, or dealing with individuals now. Very few of them have had any kind of intimate relationship. Do they, by and large, admit that they have these types of psychological problems? No, it, it is always rationalized. Like the man who calls his wife or sent text messages 640 times, say she just wouldn't answer me. So sometimes she would use another phone number and try to get into the house. And then she may answer and she becomes afraid. The victim is afraid. So if a victim's afraid, is there any remedy or does it always have to go through the courts? Sometimes the courts have problems dealing with, is it really stalking or is the person trying to get in touch with his children or trying to get in touch with the woman? I think laws are being changed every day, or they're working on it. For instance, in trying to deal with a stalker, send a clear message and cut off contact. Don't be on the fence. You don't want to deal with them. Be strong. 
Keep a record of any communication. You may get 600 emails, but there's a, a pathology in that. Ignore the emails or the telephone calls, but document them. Don't engage even the friends of the stalker, who you might think may be friends. Keep copies of everything the stalker sends you. Sometimes they'll send gifts. Make a file and keep it in a secure location so they can't get to it because sometimes the person knows your house and he knows where things can be kept. Deliveries of gifts or flowers should be refused. If something is left on the doorstep, discard them. Get a new phone number and give that phone number only to people that you trust. And be wary of any of those people who may know the stalker and say, ah, he's a good guy, you know, he's okay. Keep your old phone number connected to the answering machine so the stalker thinks he's leaving a message but you're documenting more stalking. Your mailbox should be secured. Don't leave your doors open. I know I'm setting up a feeling of paranoia, but these stalkers are being reinforced. Every time you connect with them, it reinforces their behavior. Keep your cell phone with you at all times. Sometimes people should go for self-defense training. The police can only do what they can do. Because if you, like the woman I just spoke about, if she comes into your house and is laying on your bed with a gun through his head, what are you going to do? Keep that door locked and perhaps protect yourself with self-defense. Plan your routes so they don't know how to follow you. You may have to change your routes periodically. Report all violations to the police. Get a restraining order. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to in divorce situations and in abuse situations, they never got a restraining order or a police report. They felt, well, it wasn't necessary, but it is necessary when you go to court. This is a relatively new field of understanding. It only goes back in the United States in 2000. It's only 14 years old. California 10 years earlier, but that law has changed. So we need to protect you. The other thing is about cyberstalking. Social media has made stalking even easier. I saw on the Apple iTunes website that there are a couple apps that they call them stalking, and and some of them are actually games about stalking. And it was quite, shall we say, uncomfortable to look at this because they made light of something that's very dangerous and very serious. It is very dangerous and very serious, and people have been killed. And when you look at the statistics of femicide, about 67% of the people, women, were victims of stalking before they were killed. Amazing. Do the stalkers ever burn out if they get frustrated because they're not being a, a return, a thank you, uh, you know, giving flowers, something? Do they eventually get it into their head, this isn't working, and they go elsewhere? Or is that naive? That's naive because, you know, these people have a mental disorder. In the beginning, in the early stages of stalking, there are some people who are the basic recurrent stalker who may be frustrated from a divorce or their girlfriend breaks up with them. But when you get to the serious pathology of a severe mood disorder or a borderline personality or actual narcissistic personality, it's egocentric. They do not think anything's wrong with them, as opposed to egodystonic, where they say, maybe I'm I'm pushing it a little bit too far. I should get some help. And sometimes the syntonic quality has to be converted to dystonic quality by jail or some other sanction or something that makes them feel uncomfortable. In talking about that, I saw the man who claimed he wanted to kill himself in his girlfriend's house. Yes. He said, I want to go to court because if it's a crime to kill myself in somebody's house, then I want to know about that. So he's rationalizing it. I said, how do we know you wanted to kill yourself? You had a loaded gun, and you came into your girlfriend's house, and you were laying on her bed. You could have killed her. You could have killed the police. Well, no. It's very possible you could have. Many times it would seem that they convert the realities of the law to comply with their mission. 
That's right. They do have a very strong delusional system. This woman loves me, but she can't tell me. Or I want to be together with this woman for the rest of my life, like Jodie Foster or Madonna, or just a plain Jane, but they want to have that relationship. Can we change them? Can we, from a mental health perspective, modify their thinking? Are there any statistics on the success of someone who was a stalker becoming a non-stalker? It's all very new, but it's all very dangerous, and it may be getting worse because they are reinforced by their own behavior. Their behavior leads to control of the other person or threatening the other person. It's satisfying to them. Take a look at cyberstalking. People can read your emails. They can control your identity. They can take on your identity. They can use your credit card. They can follow you. It's very quiet telephone call, but yet it's very covert, and yet you get a sense of control. And if you have a sense of revenge toward that person, it is very reinforcing. We often hear the term psychopathic personality. Are we suggesting that the person who is doing something that's against society's rules, that they even have an ego that they feel the guilt of what they're doing? No, because they rationalize their so, behavior. Okay. The, the psychopath, only 10% of psychopaths do stalking. Okay. The actual stalker is getting their revenge or looking to try to get that love back. The paparazzi are trying to get pictures of Lady Diana. They rationalize the whole thing. It's a very interesting point. The psychopath or the pathologic personality, uh, psychopathic personality, doesn't really have those relationships. So they, it's a very different motivation right. when they do this type of stuff, and it's much less so, obviously. Yeah. The narcissist wants love and affection and attention. It's the mood disorder who always feels depressed and you're keeping something away from me. The individual that has problems with intimacy, even as a young children, attachment to parents or other people that would be important in their life, they can't form attachment, so they use stalking as a means of doing it. It's somebody that feels that they've been wronged, and therefore they justify this behavior. There are just so many layers of this, and we do know that when someone acknowledges that they are a narcissist or has a borderline personality disorder, that there are psychotherapeutic interventions that can help, but they have to accept that. That's right. They have to wake up one morning and say, the old me is not working. Oops, I got to change. Right. The, the man that was in the, his girlfriend's house with the gun, he rationalized it, and he's been in jail now for four months, and he's still rationalizing it. He doesn't talk about how many emails he sent or how many gifts he sent to get the, the girlfriend's affection, and he still believed he was going to kill himself for the girlfriend's house. I said, why would you leave a dead body in your girlfriend's house, meaning him? He said, I don't know, because I was angry with her. See the distortion. Very significant distortion. Yeah. So the studies are begun. It's a relatively new entity. It's not a new emotion. Yeah. I'm sure it's been from countless thousands of years, right. probably handled differently years ago. Yeah. Send out a posse. It wasn't thought of as that because Chapman, who stalked John Lennon, it starts out as a fan. I want your autograph. I buy your posters. I buy your records. I buy. I go to your shows. You owe me. But it was never thought of in terms of stalking. If I can condense, one of the recommendations that seems to be coming from you is don't ignore it. No and get some help, come to speak to people like you or others who are experienced with understanding the stalker and take a very serious approach towards it if the police are needed or not needed or whatever, but don't ignore it. No.
because it will escalate. Phil Heller is a psychologist in Palm Beach County, Florida, and as you have heard, he's quite knowledgeable and has spent a fair amount of real-life time dealing with these problems. Dr. Heller, thank you much for being here.